0: We're we're gonna forget how it works. We all know how it works. That's why we're here. Let's give a warm welcome to Peter. (laughs) Let's get this thing going. My name is Peter, I'm a recovered alcoholic. Grateful to be alive and sober, and part of a sacred place called Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, first things first, congratulate all the uh, celebrants um, and giving thanks to God for their sobriety. Uh, sometimes I go to these things and they say, How'd you do it? They say, All by myself. Uh, but everyone gave credit to God. The other thing is, uh, what we sometimes forget with events like this when people are celebrating are the families that stood by the side and pretty much involved in a drive-by shooting. And uh, we come to AA and some of us forget about them. So, at the risk of embarrassing someone, is a young gentleman who went through a facility I work at, and uh, I watched his dad uh, support him and go through the horror show of watching his son go down the tubes. And uh, his son, uh, uh, Carlos, is on a great path right now, as a newbie in AA, but on the firing line, working with others. And if Mr. Carlos can just stand for a minute so we can recognize you. Yeah. <laughs> I drank for a lot of years, like many of us, alcoholically. I got involved in some non conference approved dry goods along the way. And my, my family, uh, specifically, my dad uh, watched his firstborn, me, oldest son. Expectations were high. Italian American family, firstborn. It was supposed to be pope or president, nothing less than that. And, uh, and I landed in AA. Um, my dad threatened my life. My dad threw me out. My dad took me in. My dad gave me money. My dad pulled all the money back. Uh, my dad threatened my life. My dad threatened my life. My dad threatened my life. Uh, were, I got so bad and the, uh, the, how I infected my family that not only my dad but my brother, this is a true story, uh, came after me with a pistol. And both of them said pretty much the same thing. We'll kill you before the drug dealers do it and they would go to jail with a head up and shoulder square. That's where this addiction brought them to. And only cause some folks got in the way of that and got them centered as to what they were about to do. I didn't care. But my dad hung in there with me and hung in there with me and ro- rode this awful roller coaster ride, watching his son go down the tubes and feeling totally helpless, which a lot of families, loved ones feel when they see us. I don't know how we come into AA and just go to meetings and forget about the family. And we cop out, well, they have a God, too. Yeah, but they don't know how to get it. How about showing them, right? And then my first AA birthday came around, and I remember uh, my dad was there with his wife, both my younger brothers. In fact, the entire Marinelli family was there. I don't know if they were there for gratitude or just making sure this wasn't another scheme I was running. Just make sure this was legit. Uh, and they were blown away by what we do in AA and uh, my family's very blue-collar, very street kind of family, and the next day at work, uh, my dad was praising AA, and he says, I never heard men talk so openly like that. One of my speakers, a gentleman who was sober a long time, was crying at the podium, sharing his story, and that was unheard of for my dad. And he saw this vulnerability that we get to share, and, and the actions and the words spoke volumes. And he was at my second anniversary, it was 25 years later. And uh, my dad, I don't think he'll ever get what we do completely, and why I travel so much. But he's come to love and respect Alcoholics Anonymous, and like you, has been there with me. So I applaud you for allowing God to work in your life and trusting Him with us. That's a pretty neat deal, huh? <clears throat> God separated me from alcohol June 23rd, 1988. I'm a recovered alcoholic, and I say recovered because I am. And for the new folks, even the folks who celebrate in a couple of years, uh, you don't need to settle for just being a recovering anything anymore. Uh, I mean, it's fine, but there's so much more greatness that God is offering us God is seeking and saving, seeking and saving, seeking me and saving me, seeking me and saving me. Why did he have to do that with me? Why does he do that with us? Because I was lost for so long. And I looked for contentment. I looked for a belonging. I looked for fulfillment in all the wrong places. I went down what turned out to be many dark alleys, food, sex, money, drugs, whatever it might be, just trying to get something at the bottom of this bottle that was going to find me. was going to find contentment. And all I was doing was trying to just follow my ego around. And my sense of who I was came from thought. It came from my mind. It came from approval from others. And I got even further into a dark hole. And God kept pursuing me and always looking to save me. And the last house on the block was Alcoholics Anonymous where I found myself in a room full of broken toys who were being sought by their God and saved by their God, and those who were saved by their God were bearing witness for me because I couldn't deny what my eyes were seeing. I would hear the words and have some contempt. I was not good at hearing a sermon, but when AA's took me out to a diner when I had no money, and bought me food at the diner and put some money in my pocket and picked me up and took me to a meeting and dropped me off and would call me and make sure I was okay. Those are the actions that spoke louder at any words they can say. What they were doing spoke so loud I couldn't hear a word they were saying, huh? And AA little by slowly put me back together, and the God that was seeking me, I started to seek, and how I found it was with people in AA by you guys. And little by slowly got put back together, and I got my first year, second year, and so on and so forth, All Right. I had heroes in AA, I still do. It's okay to have a hero or heroes in AA. Just understand they have clay feet. Don't put unrealistic expectations on anyone. I'd rather seek refuge in God than in man because we're faulty, we'll break, we'll disappoint people. But seek refuge in God. And for me, my God was this, group of junks for good early direction where I was able to see power and feel power, see it in action. And then, little by slowly, the words you guys were speaking had some depth and weight because I knew how you were living. I knew how you were living. I saw what you were doing. So now, when you spoke, it had depth and weight. But on the first encounter, they would say, They're not really doing all of that. You have to present well at a podium. They presented better when their actions than at the podium that had depth and weight, one drunk talking to another. And the care and concern and compassion for Alcoholics Anonymous was God. Looking for God, looking for God. It wasn't always going to be potting the seas and the carpenter wasn't going to come down into my bedroom, my living room, and say, here I am. It was through you. And God sent the little Indians out to get me. The spiritual warriors in Alcoholics Anonymous and my heroes were just doing that. The Don P's and the Gary B's, the men who took me to the steps, my sponsor, Mark H., my current sponsor, Mickey M., icons in AA, heroes in AA, huh? because they walked the walk. And it started with a 30-day chip and a 60-day chip and a 90-day chip. And they didn't turn the, uh, the uh, coin night into the Academy Awards, so I applaud Rachel and James for making this brief and to the point. You know, we get like four-hour speeches to get a coin, you know. To the point, let's give credit where it's due. AA and God, let's go sit down. All right. okay. The other reason is I'm not that important. You don't need me. If I didn't show up, you'd get somebody to fill in. Tell me they wouldn't do a good job like me, please. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm special. not that important. And I, I don't, that's not false humility. I, I've come to understand that. I have an importance to my family. I have an importance in my relationship with Marion, I have an importance to my friends. I'm important in work. But if I was to keel over, they're going to keep moving. And some folks would probably applaud if I keeled over. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not that important. And so when I get my A, who, my coin in AA, who's important? God, our co-founders, only in AA would people pass on a plant for like 40 years (laughs) and look to touch this plant on, you know you're going to touch the plant on the way out and then feel like real spiritual because I touched Bill W.'s plant. You know know what I did? I touched Bill's plant. Only in AA, man. And my family that was shattered and ripped apart because of, alcoholics, uh, because of alcoholism, Alcoholics Anonymous, in its infinite wisdom and infinite mercy that God demonstrates here, was able to put my family back together again. We're splintered. My friend Mark always says, got edges. We got edges. We got stuff. You know, you walk in my house, you don't see doves flying around the living room and hops playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. But somehow we're able to put, be put back together. When I was growing up with my dad, I mean, I I, I was deadly afraid of him. I'm not exaggerating. I was just petrified of him. We walked in a room. He would walk around and go, I'm not good enough. I got to go. He was sure about everything. Sure about the way he dressed. He looked immaculate all the time. Impeccable. Sure about his words, and he was strong and tough, and as me. And uh, I got to a point where I absolutely despised my dad at one point. I wish I was born another family. Well, Saturday night I had dinner with my dad and um, two-hour dinner, and I couldn't get enough of the old man. You know, I'm not trying to fit in. I'm not trying to be the best son. I'm not trying to look at me. I go to AA. I'm spiritual. I'm Moses, Dad. Don't worry about everything's good. I was just being me, as God allows us to be, and that was good enough. And we do that in personal relationships. i got to really do all this extra so you like me, and just being us what God created is good enough. But when we first walk into Alcoholics Anonymous, no matter what we do, it's never good enough. There's a gentleman, Clancy, who says, people have to be treated extra special just to feel normal. It's a disease of perceptions. Everything I see, hear, and feel is wrong. And my sense of self comes from thought and thinking rather than spirit. And God doesn't need me to do great things. He just needs me to follow his will. And the greater plans he has for me, the more he expects from me. But what I forget is that God is constantly feeding me what needs to be done. Like when I do this, I don't prepare for this. Okay, we're going to talk about three into four. and i got an idea what that's. A, I have no idea. I'd rather be blank and let God pump me as I go through this for the next hour. i right? rather God just show up a, a, a clean slate, a hollow bone, and let God move me through my day unattached, detached from any kind of thinking, any kind of thought, any kind of perception that are coming from a mind, have God perceptions, God thoughts, a renewal through this emptying out, this purging that we get to do, where one day, whether it's one year, six months, 10 years, 20 years, we stand free and comfortable in our own skin, which means my interaction with you is finally on point. I'm being honest. I can have good relationships. And I'm okay if we disagree or you don't want a relationship with me. I do not crumble anymore. And the people who throw bullets at me, I can send them a thank you note when it's all over because I just learned something about me. Why did I get so upset when you condemned or criticized me? Huh? Well, when I first came in here, I was so hypersensitive. If you looked at me the wrong way, oh, they don't like me, so now I have to hate you because you don't like me. <laughs> and I'm going to gossip to everyone about you because you didn't, like, you didn't give me the hello I wanted. And I would rise above you by gossiping, that's what it does. I would rise above you by, by condemning you. Right? And forgetting that God has got other plans for me. The great thing about recovery am I seeking out my God? So we come into AA like I did, and there was a lot of things in the way, my pride, which always gets in the way. God resists the proudest, assists the humble, huh? I can't be humble. I could wish to be humble. That's just a byproduct of experiencing God, humility. In fact, folks who tell me, you know, I'm a humble guy, I know they're not. Right? But pride is always in the way, idolatry, worship of other things our book talks about. And usually I'm worshiping me. I'm that important. My mind, whatever it says is God, that's law. You have to follow. If you don't, I'll talk about you. Right? Pomp, worship of other things, money, relationship, food, sex, whatever it is. Anything that gives me a sense of belonging, that's my new God. And that'll change on a dime. But the one thing that's pristine, that's constant, that's always present, all love and no opposite, and always forgiving, is the power called God, which we get in Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I, I visit Mass every Sunday. I don't know what those folks do the other six days of the week. I know what we do, for the most part, the other six days of the week after we leave a meeting. We're going to other meetings. I don't check in a Mass for an hour. It's that important to me. That's just a piece of what I do. I'm just going home to visit my father's house for an hour. But that doesn't make me a better Catholic or a better human being. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's the same thing when I hit the mat and get off the mat. That's when the work starts. I can meditate and ohm and light candles and even levitate at times, right? (laughs) Not really. You jumped all over that one. man. What do I do the next 23 hours? How am I doing? I think God's more interested in me walking his walk and carrying a vision of his will into those activities than how much I ohm and chant and light candles and think I'm really spiritual. I need to be like a child in front of God. You ever have a new infant and they see a bird for the first time and they're like a bird, but they're in awe. I should be that way and that teachable to my God and an alcoholic's anonymous, always with the beginner's mind, never an expert's mind. I teach. I teach a lot when I sponsor men. I do it for a living, but always with the spirit of a student because I want to be teacher. because I want to know my God more. And it's really interesting coming to Alcoholics Anonymous and everything comes back together again. I go home. What we do in Alcoholics Anonymous is go home. The process of recovery is about taking us home, home to that place of purity, honesty, unselfishness, and love, what the Oxford group talked about. Pure in heart, honest, humble, humility, we walk with it. And we don't have to say anything. It just shows. And then we have 12 spiritual disciplines to work with. And how come AA meetings don't work with them? How come they get condemned and scoffed at? 12 spiritual principles that are proven. You can put it on a spreadsheet. The people who do the 12 steps and continue to grow in understanding and effectiveness are in the process of experiencing permanent sobriety. And the people who don't are real alcoholics are constantly collecting white chips. There's something to that. I want to go to the old timers meetings. Great. What are they teaching? You'll put the plug in a jug. Go to a new new person. Go where a guy like Carlos or Ronnie's at. Even if you got 30 years, you'll catch fire. Because they're on fire. And because I got 30 years, I can learn from a guy with six months. I can learn from a woman with 90 days. Spirit of spirit the process of recovery i have found for myself is not a process is not a linear movement it's not a linear process it's a it's a spiritual transformation there's no calendar involved in that there's no clock involved in that there's no time involved in that it just is god No beginning, no end, it just is. And we walk into alcoholics Anonymous, and some of us hang around, and we hang around, and we hang around, and some genius will say, don't leave till the miracle happens. It's happened. You're sitting in AA. If you're a real addict alcoholic, based on our track record, we're not supposed to be sitting in an AA meeting applauding people for doing well. We usually go, that'll also be, I want the attention. Or we don't show up at all. But here we are, one day, 30 years. 40 years and change, still sitting here. My friend Billy in the back, what a joy to be around him. What a great guy, still here, still looking to help people. Those are my heroes. Right? My sponsor sober 40, 40 some art years, every Wednesday, I call him at 8 o'clock. I dial, he picks up. I dial, he picks up. When he can't make it, he tells me, I can't make it. He limits the amount of people he sponsors, and he encourages me to do the same. I would call Don P up on a Sunday, he'd be traveling, I'd call him up, he would call, him, I would call him, he'd be at the airport boarding, he'd still pick up the phone and so, say, I gotta get back to you. They'd pick up the phone, they were there. Those are my heroes. Hmm? How many of us do that for newcomer? Not the needy folks who just need to, you know, suck the blood out of, they need you for everything, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> I gotta get in touch with you. Text message, it's important, what? Um, Should I wear blue laces or white laces on my sneakers? (laughs) Click. So, I'm lost. I have no compass for life. I can't live life on life's terms. I come into Alcoholics Anonymous, and I get a really clear understanding that I'm alcoholic out there. And I come into Alcoholics Anonymous, and they make me even more clear on what I suffer from, what this nature of this illness called addiction is all about, of alcoholism, threefold illness. They make it abundantly clear to me what I suffer from, and they paint me into a corner as if there's no way out. And I'm I'm feeling even more lost. And I'm totally dependent upon my sponsor to navigate me through AA, through the steps, just through life. Because I'm convinced my, my life on self-will can never be a success. What do I do now? You took the medicine away. I'm standing raw to face life. And I'm hearing life on life turns There's no life on God's terms. Where do I find God? And they give me step two as a pointer to the solution to get to a place of wholeness of mind. true sanity, God. And they tell me how they haven't been thinking about drinking in many years, the obsession's long gone, and the conditions of their life have improved. They've gone home to experience the oneness with God, no more duality. Well, I want what you got to offer. These were like street guys. These were some guys who went through universe, all walks of life. I identified with the street guys because I know what that's like. The homeless guys, I know what that's like. The, 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 the gangster guys, I know what that's like. And here they are completely changed and shouting God from the rooftops and had a direction on what to do, a purpose in their life. All, all credit going to God. They took no credit for their success. I want what you had to offer. I love the way they dressed. They looked impeccable when I got to a podium. They looked impeccable for their home group. They didn't show up like they were going to commit a felony as soon as the meeting was over. (laughs) All right? Thanks for wearing a tie. I wasn't sure about you until I saw the tie. And they present the third step to me. And the third step, that God's going to be everything or nothing. They, 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 they start getting the engine running in chapter 10 when they ask that question. Is God's going to be everything or nothing? What's our choice to be? And they say choice. I they think they're being really kind of coddling right there. What choice? Drink and die. Find God. There's no choice. There's no like, let me think about it. There's no 90 meetings and 90 days involved in that because I'll die maybe on the thirty. I'll die at the end of the night. Right now, sense of urgency. Is God going to be everything or nothing? Whatever I think everything is, at this moment, it's God's. The reason why I got air going in my lungs and my heart's beating is because of God. I can start with that. I didn't plug into a 9-volt battery. In fact, that power call God is breathing through me. In fact, that power call God is closer to me than my own breath. Okay, I can get that. Well, everything's got to go to this, God. It was just a decision in step three. I make this decision, turn everything over to God. My thinking and my action goes to God. Everything goes to God. And I thought I was going to, okay, make a decision, and that was going to be it. There was a requirement that my life on self-will can hardly be a success. Now, My first step proved that to me. And then it says in how it works, rarely have we seen a person fail or thoroughly really followed our path. What path? After three, the paths of four through nine. Rarely have we seen a person fail who's followed this path. We have failures in AA. Even if we didn't have any failures, we would never say we never have failures. That's not humility. And God knew that and passed it on to our founding members to put it in rally. By the way, people say, if Bill had to change one word, it'd be rarely to never, that's a lie. But rarely have we seen a person fail, who has followed our path, fail that sobriety, fail that God consciousness. And what we have is a shift, an internal shift in consciousness where everything we saw, heard, and spoke, our actions, it's the 180, a complete flip from the inside out, that my insides are now manifesting out there. And I'm not hurting anyone anymore. But just making a decision in three was not enough. That I found out. I would see people hang around in three, just hang around in three, read the third step prayer, and the illness started to ease its way back as we started to go sideways. After the third step prayer, my book tells me next, which means now I launched out on the course of vigorous action. Bill uses great words, launched like a rocket ship, launch, take off, go. No hanging around here because if I don't continue to turn my life over to God, the illness will take it right back. It's pursuing me just as much as God is pursuing me, except once I get God, my illness shuts down. A day at a time, but I'm in permanent sobriety. That's why on the back end of this step, when we get to step 11 and we're in the world of the spirit, what does it say? Continue to grow in understanding and effectiveness. It doesn't say, Joe, you got 10 years, you went through the steps, hang out. (laughs) We got a lot of people hanging out. Grow in understanding and effective. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what, on and on and on and on. Keep moving. Keep growing. And hopefully by then, many of us who have tasted God want more. I was a glutton out there. Just give me more. Ivy, me, Jack Daniels. Just give me more drink. More drink a glutton, a slob, just give me more, pass out, get sick, come to, give me more, and I come into alcoholics and suddenly I'm putting the lid on how much God's going to go on tonight, makes absolutely no sense, I'll be a glutton with God, just give me more God, because the more God I got, the less mind I got, the less me's in the way, which means I'm right with you now, I can be of service to you, I'm more, I'm more of an effective agent for this power called God. And the great thing is me and my ism start to get grinded into dust. The ego starts to shut down. I start to appreciate my life. I start to love my life. I start to appreciate people. I start to love and worship my God. And I continue to surrender to my God for the great gifts he's given me and has the things he's taken away from me. Many times in AA when we're new and things get taken away from us, we think God doesn't love us and God's pruning the tree. For the right growth. But I can't see that with my mind. I see a God as removing relationships or removing money or removing jobs, whatever it might be. And I'm going, why is God doing this to me? Because he loves you. Too much stuff in the way. I can't worship God in my money. I can't worship God in my job. I can't worship God in someone or something. It's one or the other. I need to be all in with God. And step three is saying, are you all in? Because if I'm not, and I'm not willing to turn everything over to God, is it possible I still think I can do the job on my own? Do I have a first step problem? Like a little reservation lurking around somewhere. Because it is going to show up. My sponsor had me write out the third step prayer word for word. As it appears on page 63. And said that page 62 to 63 is our third step consideration. The prayer is just an affirmation and willing to go through with this. If I never saw the third step prayer in my life and my intent was pure, Father, God, whatever you want to call it, I'm willing to turn everything to you. Please help me. That's good enough. But our book gives us a beautiful third step prayer. And then I wrote out my interpretation of the third step prayer. Because it was about having an experience with the information. That's just becoming a big book a scholar We have a lot of big book scholars in AA that can recite the big book sideways. You don't want to break bread with them. (laughs) Knowledge in the wrong hands can become dangerous. In fact, I'll go out on on a soapbox here. As a result of this book... I shouldn't be standing at a podium saying, you're not in the book, you're wrong. We don't want you in here. I should embrace all and be a power of example. Because if I'm if I'm cutting you out because you're not in the book, you'll never come to me for help. And if I'm in trouble, you know I'm not going to you for help. And that's really the proof of where I am with God, that it's all love and no opposite the way my Heavenly Father gives me all love and no opposite. We shouldn't be warring theologians and Alcoholics Anonymous. And the same with the non-big bookers. They shouldn't say, hey, get that big book out of here. Shame on you. It's the last house. I'm on. This is our house. We better fix it. So where else are we going to go? So everyone take a little job and let's put it together. We got to live together. We may not like each other, but we can live together. It shouldn't be big bookers against non-big bookers, and we got big bookers against big bookers. We're real big bookers. How many times you go through work? Four times. Oh, I went through to work 25 times. What? So I make a decision in step three. And my sponsor and I, we've always done this, we hit our knees, we hold hands, we third-step prayer together. I think I talked about this last week. And then my sponsor gave me instructions for step four. Made a searching, fearless, and moral inventory of me, not you. I did it for you. I did, you took your inventory for years. Mm-hmm. And I gladly tell you what I found out, too. <laughs> Here's what happened to me. I was given very clear-cut, precise, exact, specific directions from my sponsor. And I went, I would go home and sit down to write, and I forgot them. Whether it was did it on purpose or not, I wasn't following directions the first time through the, the fourth step. And I would make this master list of names, which I still do, make a master list and went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. So I made a master list of names, and I was told the last two names you put down are you and God. And I started doing my four columns, but here's what I didn't do. I didn't pray before I write. I just open up the book and start writing. And I would try to go from the energy I had after a meeting or after work to the energy needed to write a book, uh, to write a fourth step and follow the book. And then finish writing and then continue with the rest of the evening. And what I found out now, there's no amen after the third step prayer. Because it's a movement between three and seven, we are now about to go in, and God's going to navigate us in and out, and it requires prayer. Because I can't be searching, fearless, moral on my own. I will cut corners and conveniently forget or get lazy. And this is exactly what happened to me. I'm living in this apartment, my first apartment, by way of being homeless and sleeping in, in, in abandoned buildings and rooftops and wasn't bathing and, and living that life. And so I have this little studio apartment and I'm writing this inventory and I'm looking around, I'm going, well, I should have some coffee before I start writing. It's gonna be a long night, I'm gonna really get to it. And uh, I should eat a little something cause it's gonna be a long night and then I eat, have coffee and my eyes are out and I'm wide awake and I should digest my food, watch some TV, then I'll write my fourth step. The rug needs to get vacuumed. After all, I am an AA, <laughs> right? I was sleeping in an abandoned building with rats and roaches. Suddenly it's linked on a rug, let's vacuum. Right? <clears throat> and I fall asleep. I wouldn't write. Or I pick up a pen and start to write without prayer. And I, well, it's not that important. This is a lot of stuff. And the illness was starting to take over. And I start to struggle. And very matter-of-fact way, my sponsor had asked me, when to, how's the inventory going? Very matter-of-fact way. I said, well, you know, I'm writing, but it's kind of struggling. And I gave him all these details of woe, and I will clean up the language but he came right at me between the eyes with every four letter word you can think of because he was seeing what I was doing. I couldn't. My friend always says, we can't see our ears. We know they're there. You can see them. I couldn't see my illness. He could see it, was starting to show up. And after he finished blasting me over the phone, he gave me instructions about how I turned everything over to God. When did I become God? Hmm starting to count my days and make them more important than God and my sobriety. The chips were more important than God and sobriety. Little things, little things were preventing me from being searching, feels immoral. On my own power, I can't be searching, feels immoral. Even right now, 25 years sober. I'm not cured. I'm recovered. So that's why everything still goes to God. And so what I would do is write a prayer. It's a good suggestion. Write a prayer, a prayer across the top of the page. Thank you, God, for allowing me to be searching, fearless, immoral. moral. And then we make a prayer, and we get quiet. And we start to write, and suddenly we have an inventory being done. I didn't do that. And day after day went by, write a little, not write a little, and I was struggling. And then I took these directions and I started to write. And the great thing that happens is stuff comes to us in inventory that sometimes we say, where's this coming from? God, I can't believe I'm remembering this. I don't like to remember this, but God's given it to us. My inventory shouldn't make me feel good all the time. I should be disturbed doing an inventory. I'm taking stock of me the first time and I was getting disturbed because I was taking stock of me for the first time. And then suddenly, because of God, I would go from where I am and shifting into inventory, I would go in. And here's the neat thing. I can't see in there. That's why there's no amen after step three. God's taken us by the hand. You want to get free, turn everything over. I will show you what's in the way. Not all of it's going to be pretty, but God flicks on the light and says, here's what's in the way. These are all your resentments. These are all your fears. This is your upside-down sex life. This is your upside-down ideals about men and women, life in general. We're going to clean it out. And I tell everyone all the time, whatever is revealed to us in inventory, if we're following directions, consider it divine. It's godly inspired. Even if it's uncomfortable, ugly things, it's the power of God giving it to me to get me free. He's going to show me just as much as he needs to show me. Perhaps next time to the work, more will be revealed. But at this moment, he's saying, here's what's in the way. It's about uncovering, discovering, and discarding what's in the way. Cleaning house. Let's get it all out. But it's God's job to do that. And so I would write, and I would write, and I didn't need coffee, I didn't need TV, I didn't need anything. Come home from, meeting, come after, come home from work, my sponsors, you don't need to go to a meeting tonight. You can write communion with God in inventory and we find how the pen becomes a spiritual translator as we're writing because things will fly off that pen that we never thought of even the painful uncomfortable things all the resentments so some mechanics I make a master list, big sheet of paper mom, dad, brother, sister, so on and so forth, last two names, me and God I ask how come me and God I don't have a problem with God, what a lie I despise myself Oh, I front good at someone. How are you doing, Peter? Oh, I'm great. I'm, I'm wonderful. And I sometimes go home, look in the mirror, and say, you're still a fraud. Remember those things you did? See, they weren't resolved. I was still afraid around people. Not resolved. I had to get fixed. I had to get fixed with the touch of the master's hand. So I'd make a master list of names, and I'd take a name. First column, resentment. That's the person I'm angry with. S- second column, cause. Why I'm angry with Joe. I always use the example of my mom. Resentment mom cause she was alcoholic. Resentment mom caused, she committed suicide. Okay, got that. And it wasn't about writing an autobiography that doesn't get you well, probably need a drink when you're done. <laughs> and we have all these four steps out there, a million different four steps, 6,000 six, 6, questions, different parts. Book has it very clear, four column inventory, in and out. We got no time to hang around. To the point, Mr. Brown, his attention to my wife, period. Next. So it says in the book. doesn't it say, well, I met Brown about 10 years ago. We were working together. He was a pretty good, you know. Right. Do you ever get a newbie on the phone and you, you ask him a simple question like, so, Joe, are you married? And 10 minutes later, you still didn't get the answer. That's a yes or no answer. <laughs> Do you have children? Well, let me, you know, yes or no, okay. So inventory forces us to do yes or no, pretty much. Get to the third column, and things start to happen here. Our third column talks about the seven areas of self that hurt, interfered, or threatened. Hurt, interfered, or threatened are the buzzwords. Pride, how I think others see me. Personal relationships, how I think this relationship should look. My self-esteem, how I feel about myself. My security, my emotional security, what I need from you to be okay, and we quickly see my attachments to you. You like me, I'm okay, you don't, I die. My ambition, my goals, my sex relations, not only sex, but how I think men ought to be, how I think women ought to be, pocketbook, money. Seven areas of self we look at, and I give an example how this was heard into fear or threatened, and I get to see the lie I've been living and my attachments to external conditions, my attachments to my mind and what I think I should be and what I think you should be. A book says we're in the world to play the role God assigns. And my inventory quickly shows me how I've been playing God because I've assigned you a role. I've assigned God a role. I've I've assigned everyone a role. And I constantly am waiting for a cat to bark. That's my life. How come they didn't do this for me? How come they disappointed me? How come it goes on and on and on? And think about it, resentment, it's like, a you know, great analogy these two gentlemen used to use is the instant replay on TV. You bump into me in the morning at 10 o'clock and you don't say, excuse me. You didn't see me, you just kept walking. Or maybe you're just a mean person. Okay, so what? At 11 o'clock, I start talking to James about you. This guy bumped into me, didn't say goodbye, didn't say I'm sorry. By two in the afternoon, you threw me into a wall. <laughs> And when I see you tonight, he beat me up. (laughs) Ten years later, he's a mass murderer. (laughs) And it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I never take a look at my part like I've been hating the guy for ten years. Or I didn't say, I'm sorry. So we look at the third column and we find out that the first three columns, although they've happened... All based on a lie. And what's the lie? My perceptions and conceptions about everything. I've been sound asleep thinking I'm wide awake in life. Sound asleep thinking I'm awake. We get married sound asleep. We have children sound asleep. We make love sound asleep. We go to work sound asleep. We drive a car set. We do everything sound asleep thinking we're wide awake. And inventory slaps us awake. Pay attention. This is you on paper and you. I couldn't deny what I was seeing. Went through the fear inventory evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. And when I found out what was behind resentments, fear. What was behind my sex life, fear. My perceptions about everything, fear. Fear-based and insecure. A book did a great thing. It's, we're going to locate fear so you can see it in black and white. And I looked at the seven areas of self and I realized these things were hurting to fear or threaten. That's why I'm angry with you. If they weren't hurt, to fear or threaten, I don't act out and fall. I don't have a problem with you. Even when you bump into me in a doorway, I can forgive you. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Do I walk with that? Twelve steps will allow me to walk that way. And if I screw up, I'll make amends promptly. Step 10 talks about that. I can't afford resentment, and I can't afford to be walking around hurting people. That's why I'm pretty free on most days to say that let these talks be a reflection of my life. And I'll I'll invite anyone into my life with all the cracks in my armor. I have to pretend for an hour. Maybe that's why I'm so comfortable doing this. Because the way God has flipped me around. Like it or not, that's just the way it is. I complete the first three columns and I get to the fourth column where rubber hits the road. Because it's the first time I'm putting a mirror up to me. I can't point fingers. My sponsors say, point one, three are coming back anyway at me. And I took my inventory, regardless of what you did, where was I selfish, where was I dishonest, where was I self-seeking, where was I frightened? And I give an example. And our book is really clear. People do things to us that are unfair, paraphrase. We're involved in other people's drive-bys, you know. Some of us have horrible things that have happened to us growing up or even in our adult life. People were just cruel to us. They did bad things to us and I'm nursing that and it's my badge of honor why I drink. Okay, great. The book acknowledges that but what are we going to do about it now? It says, quite frankly, it says disregard what they did entirely. What? I can spend... 100 years in therapy at 100 an hour, taking their inventory and never getting better. Book says, we're not going to do that. Let's see where you're at full. Let's take your inventory. I gave an example. And I'll just, I'll just hit this because we've got to close. Some of us have real, well, some of us have stuff that we, we might feel is a lot deeper and a lot more hurtful than others. And that's just the way it is. What about the people who were physically, verbally, and sexually abusive to us? A lot of us have those stories. The guys don't like to talk about that one. Not me. Never. Not me. I'm, I was John Wayne when I was three. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, and I applaud the woman because I, 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 I do this. I, I work in a treatment center. But I've been doing it forever. And I've done, led lots of women's groups. And, and I applaud you because you guys are a lot freer. To ante up and cry around each other. And I, that's, just, that's just a gar thing. The guys are tight when they get around that. that oh, no, not, never happened to me. It's happened to a lot of us. And it happened to me, and I'm writing inventory, and it came to the fourth. I had, you know, Joe did this to me when I was eight how it hurt, interfered, or threatened my life in a third column. And I get to the fourth column, my book says, Pete, where were you selfish, dishonest, self seeking, and frightened? He says, bingo, crack in the armor, close the book, I'm out. And I was furious and I called up my sponsor and I said, you know, actually I got his girlfriend on the phone. She was an al and she kind of talked me down from the ledge and he got on the phone. I didn't know he had the same thing happen to him. And he says, here's where you're selfish. He says, how long have you been hating that man? I said, well, my whole life. I'd kill him if I saw him now. He's at your any length, stop hating you don't have to love. You don't have to break bread with them. You don't have to be in the same area code with them. But as long as you have hate in your heart, you're blocked from God, and you will get drunk. What are we going to do? So I start working on this one, and I just prayed. Thank you, God, for the willingness to even forgive. I wasn't ready. It was more words than actions. But I pushed through the work. I pushed through five, and somewhere, at some point in 10 and 11, it went to bed. I was not haunted by that anymore. I was free of that. The book wasn't interested in how I'm feeling. I'm sorry you're depressed. We'll call it a day. We'll come back tomorrow and have a process group <laughs> just for you, right? It's about a saving a life. I'm bleeding to death and they had to stop the bleeding and if it hurt a little, it hurt a little but if we don't do this, you're going to drink and die. And that's why I love my big book. That's why I love my heroes. That's why I love my AA. And I worship my God because I love my God. That's how I'm here today. That's all I got, guys. Peace.